This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. Here's not I got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. It's Thursday, 27 April in the year of our Lord, 2023. We're very honored here to have in studio uh, Monica Crowley. By the way, what a big day. Peter Navarro in the morning, Monica Crowley in the afternoon. we got Todd Benson who's about to come on deck. We finished our show. And one of the reasons I really appreciate you coming by and sitting in with us. We finished the morning show talking about um, this New York Times interview with Fauci. And we had Natalie Winters, who's our lead investigative reporter, who's <clears throat> done the work. Peter actually met Fauci for the first time on the 27th of January, 2020, when they were in the Situation Room arguing about the, uh, you know, the, 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 the limitations of the travel, stopping travel from China right then about going to President Trump. What is your assessment? You've been, you've been at this a, a long time. You've seen players for 20, 30 years. Put, put Fauci in perspective for our audience. Well, first of all, it's an honor and a pleasure always to join you, Steve, but particularly yeah. in person, face to face like this. You're a dear friend and I just treasure our friendship so yeah. much. We'd lo love so to have you, you in studio. So great being down here. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me as always. Um, look, I was in the Trump administration and the Treasury Department serving as assistant secretary for the last two years of the Trump term. So I saw the Trump economy go from the boom, the Trump boom, through the unprecedented economic crisis of the COVID pandemic, through the fastest economic recovery on record from any crisis. And during that period of time, um, I had a couple of interactions with Dr. Fauci, and I remember one in particular, and they were all very brief, nothing, and no policy conversations or anything like that. Um, but I do remember at the outset of the pandemic, Steve, being in a green room, I believe it was ABC, and I was accompanying Secretary Mnuchin for a Sunday morning show hit, and Dr. Fauci came into the green room to shake hands with Secretary Mnuchin. He was coming off the air, Mnuchin was going on the air, and he... Uh, immediately, sort of my soul went on high vibrate, <laughs> and I, I realized I was in the presence of not a particularly honest individual, not a particularly good man. It was just something that hit me viscerally about this individual. And then, as we know, he was the guiding hand on the COVID response. A lot of people will pile on Donald Trump and say he should have kept the country open, he should have done this, he should have done that, etc. But I always like to remind people that he was not a medical doctor. He was a real estate guy from New York. And he was hit with an unprecedented virus that created an unprecedented crisis. So it wasn't like Donald Trump could pick up the phone and call a predecessor and say, how did you all deal with the last pandemic? Because the last pandemic was over 100 years ago. So he was flying without a net, and therefore he was wholly dependent on people who came to him or who were already part of the public health apparatus to give him guidance on what to do. 
And so I give Donald Trump a lot of slack and a lot of leeway in terms of his decision making. This is true for any American president. When they're hit with a crisis or a crisis is brought to them, whether it's Richard Nixon with Watergate, Ronald Reagan with Iran-Contra, Donald Trump with COVID, they have to operate on the basis of the information that they are being given, right? So Donald Trump was handed some information and he had to make a series of very fast decisions based on that information. If there is bad input coming from people like Fauci and Burks and Redfield and Walensky, et cetera, then there might be a bad output because bad information can lead to bad outcomes and bad decision making. So Donald Trump literally did the best he could. But what I don't think he understood, understandably at the time, Steve, is that Dr. Fauci was a villain. He was a nefarious player in all of this. You can go back to his time early on in the early 1980s dealing with the AIDS epidemic. This is a man who does not have Americans' health at heart. He is a deep state operator. He is part of the security state. And so when we go back and look at his guidance to President Trump and others in the administration who are trying to make real-time decisions about this pandemic, you have to understand where the bulk of the information was coming from, and it was coming from a very dark figure in Anthony Fauci. I want to be able to tie this. Uh, we're going to get Ben's been on here for a second because President Trump said something the other day, two things that I, I wanted your uh, thoughts on, and one of the reasons I wanted you to come in. He said that uh, in talking about the ending, we just did the Third World War Conference, the early years in, out in uh, L.A., he said, when you look at the enemies and you have to look and, and think about this, you know, burgeoning Third World War, Trump said, our number one enemy is the administrative state and its deep state rogue element. But the administrative state and the deep state are our number one enemy. And that says something for a guy that's been commander in chief for four years of peace and prosperity. In addition, he said, because of the the, um, the leaks that are coming out and the information coming out that, that Comer's putting out and MTG and Mace went over to Treasury and look at, he said that uh, the Biden crime family and what he's seen today is 10 times, that that is going to be 10 times Watergate. Okay, this is Trump. We're going to have Todd Benzman on here in a second about Mayorkas and Blinken and people that are representatives like Fauci was, other thing. And, and we have an invasion of the southern border. And the administrative state is not only allowing that to happen, they're exacerbating it. And quite frankly, Todd Benson makes a very compelling argument that they're actually driving it. And it's very well thought through. Not, 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 uh, it hasn't just happened. What the, the, Amer the American people right now are just coming to the realization there is this fourth branch of government that's a leviathan. And, and that's where you get Tony Fauci, who's been there 50 years. That's where you get guys like Mayorkas. That's where you get this administrative state. So when Donald Trump says it's a bigger enemy than the Chinese Communist Party, is he overselling that or do, do, you, do you believe that? He is perfectly on point. And I'm glad that we have a prominent American political figure like President Trump who will actually have the courage to come out and call it what it is. I often say, Steve, that, you know, the, the left, whatever they accuse Donald Trump of is what they themselves are guilty of, is classic projection. And for years, they have accused Donald Trump of being a liar. 
Well, that is pure projection, because honestly, Donald Trump is probably the most honest president we have ever had. No filter, tells it like it is, says, here's the problem, here's how we're going to solve it. I, I can already tell you the clip that Media Matters is going to pull right now. That Donald, that Trump Donald Trump Trump's the most, the most honest, honest president. Yes. yes. Are you he, doing that to he, trigger people? Are you doing that to trigger <laughs> well, the left? Well, I hope so. I, ho I hope so, because it is true. Donald Trump says what he means, means what he says, wears his heart honestly. In a plain-spoken manner. Plain-spoken. And look, he has an understanding of the American presidency that has always traditionally been true. And now the left is trying to change it, which is this goes back to the founding of the republic. The symbolic nature of the American presidency is a father figure. It is paternal. And like with any father, the, and it goes all the way back to George Washington, the father of our country, with any father figure, those underneath the father in the family structure are looking to the father for guardrails, for guidance, for discipline, and for the truth. The truth might hurt. You're going to your room, right? Donald Trump is the epitome of that. And he has directly told the American people the truth about the natures of the threats within and without. You talk a lot about external threats in this country, the CCP and so on, the Iranian nuclear threat. We face some very serious threats of Vladimir Putin, et cetera. But the greatest threat, Trump is right, the greatest threat we face is the one that is internal to the United States. And wow. that is the weaponization of our own government against us. It is the administrative state that is paired with the deep state. That corruption has shot through all of our institutions. It, it really is part of this entire Marxist revolution that's been going on in this country for nearly 100 years. So that corruption is deeply embedded. You and I have talked about this, how President Nixon, my old boss, was very close to Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan, a Democrat from New York, but they were both public intellectuals and they used to have incredible conversations. One of the things that Moynihan told Nixon when he was coming into office is, Dick, you've got to uproot the entire executive branch, root and branch, from underneath, from the very foundations. Why? Because it was his view that every generation needed this, an uprooting of the executive branch. Because if you go allow it to go on beyond 20 or 25 years without significant reform, the corruption becomes so entrenched and you get these kinds of deep state, administrative state monsters that are only out to enrich and empower themselves as well as fundamentally transform the country away from our foundational principles, you get monsters like Anthony Fauci, for example. But you also get characters like James Comey and Christopher Wray and Hillary Clinton and the Obamas. So without that kind of real reform of the entire executive branch, law enforcement, the IRS, uh, the intelligence services, the security state, you get this kind of deeply embedded corruption and rot. And that's the thing that takes the country off the rails. We are at a real tipping point now, and it's going to take a lot of political will and strength of character that's Donald Trump, in order to lever uh, ourselves out of this kind of catastrophe. You were in the government in, in 20 in a very senior role at, at Treasury. Um, did, it, did anyone ever tell you, did you ever hear in that entire time during the pandemic and, and even in the run up to the election and thereafter, did you ever hear that uh, Dr. Fauci and his colleagues had actually uh, 
had been underwriting uh, gain-of-function research in Wuhan, or now, as we know, actually had control of labs in the Ukraine. And now we just found out, as, as Blinken has completely botched the Sudan situation and left 16,000 Americans running around, that now we have – there's actually labs that we funded – in a danger zone like the Sudan. Did, did that, did, can, would that ever can come? Just, can we just stop for a second here and say, why do we have dangerous biolabs operating in Sudan? I can literally not think of a worse place to be operating or controlling a biolab than Sudan. That is an outrageous... That's been a war zone for how many years? How many I decades? Mean, South decades Sudan. now. De- with warlords and you've got the CCP influence in there. I mean, it is just, it's beyond belief. Um, to answer your question, at the time, no. Um, we did not know any of this. Anthony Fauci has been very clever with the support of the propaganda press, with the support of the deep state and all of their, their protections that they afford these characters to create an image for himself as a savior. And it also applies, by the way, to guys like Robert Mueller and James Comey. They create a whole mythology around themselves. Messianic. Messianic mythology where they are, like with the law enforcement guys, they're, they are, sit above all of it. They're just a straight-on law enforcement guy. They're men of high character. Well, we know that was nonsense with Mueller and Comey and Chris Ray and the rest, but it also applies to so many of these other villains, including Fauci, who created this whole mythology around himself that he was the nation's doctor, he cared about your well-being and the country's public health. None of that is true. So at the time, we did not hear about gain-of-function research until maybe six, eight months into the crisis. And at Treasury, we were spearheading the economic response to the crisis. So I was not privy to those public health debates. But we didn't hear any of that at the time. Unbelievable. Okay, Monica Crowley is going to be with us for the hour. We're going to have... uh we're going to have Todd Benzman. There's a lot going on today. Blinken, Mallorca's, all of it is going to be here. Uh, we're also going to play, uh, when, since Monica mentioned it, we're going to play Joe Kiernan this morning calling the MAGA, the people taking a hard line on the budget, what they're doing is, is they're now, Monica, you're part of the MAGA extremist, right? You're part of the MAGA extremist. That wants Proudly. To, wants to defund. <laughs> they don't know who they got when they got Crowley at the tip of the spear. No, because now with the budget fight, you're an extremist because you want to defund the FBI, you want to defund the DOJ. So now you're actually the uh, the driver of the lack of law enforcement in this country. Okay, t- short commercial break. Todd Benzman's here. Uh, Monica Crowley's here. We got a lot to go through, including. I want to talk about President Trump saying the Biden crime family situation is 10 times Watergate and connect Watergate with exactly what's going on here today, because I think there's I think there's a lot of direct linkages. Yes. Monica Crowley's in studio. Short commercial break. Be back in a moment. Junk science. That's what the doctor called many of those fruit and vegetable supplements. Junk science because they use extracts of common produce department fruits and vegetables with few health benefits. Now look, I take Field of Greens because it's the whole organic fruit and vegetable, not a watered down supplement. And it's backed by a better health promise. Each ingredient in Field of Greens was scientifically chosen to support vital organs like heart, lungs, and kidney health. 
Others support my immune system, blood pressure, metabolism, and healthy weight loss. I don't eat as healthy as I should. I got that. I know it. I own it. That's why I take Field of Greens. Like me, you'll probably look and feel healthier fast and have way more energy. And I mean way more energy. But your best proof will be at your next checkout checkup when your doctor says, hey, whatever you're doing, it's working. Keep it up. Let me get you started with 15% off. Visit fieldofgreens.com. That's fieldofgreens.com. And use promo code Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at fieldofgreens.com. Take action, action, action. Do that today. As the secretary described, this is a hemispheric challenge that demands hemispheric solutions. Working with our neighbors in the region, we can and will reduce the number of migrants who reach our southern border. The regional processing centers announced today will be a critical addition to the programs and processes DHS has in place for qualifying individuals to obtain authorization to enter the United States before arriving at our borders. This is particularly important because we have a humanitarian obligation to cut the smugglers out. We have seen a dramatic rise in the reach, sophistication, and cruelty of the smuggling organizations over the past 10 years and the challenges that presents. The comprehensive plan we have developed and are executing takes this reality into account. We are building lawful pathways for people to come. I can't take any more. I can't at lawful pathways. I can't take any more of these guys just lying to us with a straight face. I want to bring in uh, Todd Bensman, Center for Immigration Study. Todd, you're just back from Reynoso, Mexico, and uh, and join us now. Uh, I want to ask you, first off, Todd, I'd like the professorial look. Remember, Todd was on last week, and you were in uh, Lordsburg, New Mexico, because you were chasing the cartels up there, and you looked like a guy that was in prison with the Aryan Nation, that full flex. Nobody's going to mess with Todd, or as Todd's getting his lunch in a New Mexico state prison. You clean up well, sir. You look like a professor. Reynoso, by the way, your book is overrun, if, and if the guys can get to cover the book, because you've got the shot that puts fear of God into the Biden regime. That shot right there. That shot is that famous shot that's the International Bridge in Del Rio, Texas, when you had the Haitian problem. And there's a couple of thousand Haitians there. And remember, this is what they never want to see again because they understand the American people completely reject the invasion of their country. But Todd Benzman, how many Haitians are in Reynoso, Mexico right now? Which I think Reynoso is right across from what McAllen and, and Brownsville McAllen. and all it's down at the, the at down down right on the Gulf of the near the Gulf of the of the Rio Grande. It's right across from McAllen, Texas. How many Haitians are there right now, sir? There's an estimated 15,000 of them all over the city. Uh, you can see them in these huge camps, uh, big squalid makeshift uh, camps with, uh, you know, just uh, smoke uh, from from burning trash. And uh, really, really pretty, um, uh, pretty messy. And um, also in the streets, uh, any any side street, they've got tents set up. They're all over the place. They're pooling up there. And it's not just Reynosa. You can probably see that in Juarez. I was just there the week before last. It was the same thing in Juarez, not Haitians. Um, very well taken care of. You can see there in some of the camps that international community of NGOs are all there. 
making sure that they are comfortably sustained until the end of Title 42 when presumably they're all going to get in. Or uh, CBP-1, they've got that thing going, the, the uh, legal pathway that they just put together for the Haitians and Venezuelans and pretty much everybody gets CBP-1 if they want. But what I saw was uh, Venezuelans just pouring in over blowing off the CBP-1 app and getting in anyway. I saw 2,500 of them being processed in in Brownsville, on the Brownsville side. They just crossed mostly Venezuelans. And then I went to the bus station and interviewed dozens of them. They all had papers and were ready to get on buses to Dallas, Denver, Chicago, New York, Newark, uh, and places in Florida. Uh, so they're letting them in whether they do CBP-1 or not. On notice to appear, personal recognizance. I looked at their papers. I've got it on video. They're letting them in. So when Mallorca sits there, give me your assessment of Mallorca's and Blinken's testimony today, sir. I mean, I could play 20 minutes, but I can't take after about two minutes. I can't take I can't take the fact they treat you like an idiot. It's just bald faced lies. And they treat the audience like idiots and members of Congress. So what's your assessment? Well, again, they're, they've got an extraordinary policy position of accommodating the massive flows in the quickest, speediest, most orderly way in. You'll notice that they never say we are going to block, stop, deter, shut down, repatriate, deport, cause consequences to stop this. It's only ever about we're going to make it uh, – orderly and provide legal pathways to kind of corral them into these kind of uh, kind of uh, cattle um, you know lines into the country. Uh, so this is an extraordinary policy position to take because the law is really clear. It says thou shall detain and deport when they cross the border. That's not going to happen under the new way. They plan to, uh, make the asylum system available to everyone. They, they say, we're going to presume everybody's ineligible, but then they've got this buffet of loopholes that anybody can claim if they just, with the right words, everybody gets in. Uh, for example, just say I'm gay, uh, you get in. Just say I, I was about to get kidnapped in Mexico, you get in. Just say um, I rebut what your, de your decline uh, and I'm going to take it to an immigration judge, and you're in. All unaccompanied minors, not subject to the new policy whatsoever, uh, all unaccompanied minors get in. Their policy says we will respect the Flores settlement, which is the family, uh, it's, it's, the, it's the order that allows family units to just not be detained, and they get in. Uh, so. At these hearings, the way to stop the give me the way to stop this. Tell me the Todd Benson way to stop this, because now it's going on and on and on. And clearly they're not they're just not rewriting the rules. They've got a whole structure to get as many of these illegal aliens in as possible in the shortest period of time possible, as deep into the country as possible. So how then can it be stopped? Well, again, it's the first time ever any executive branch has taken a position like that. I just want, I can't stress that enough how completely unusual this is. Um, 
But the way to stop it, for example, uh, and it, it'll never happen under a Biden administration. It just does not. I think we need to accept that. Um, the way to stop it is, for example, in the Darien Gap, uh, you have three countries there, Colombia, and they're, they're talking about the Darien Gap today with Blinken and uh, Mayorkas are talking about how they're going to make that all orderly. But the real way to stop that is to have U.S.-funded air repatriation, ICE air repatriation flights in all three of those countries, uh, including Costa Rica. So Colombia, Panama, Costa Rica, and maybe even Mexico, all three of them simultaneously so that if they get it past one, they won't get past the next, won't get past the next. That flies them all the way back to Africa, flies them all the way back to Asia, flies them all the way back to third countries uh, systematically uh, when they don't follow whatever rules they're going to have or just, uh, and you can't expect Colombia and Panama and Costa Rica to pay for this. I get that. It's not in their national interest, but I think it would be a lot cheaper for the United States to fund those re repatriation flights than to just bring everybody in uh, and let them get on our public welfare rolls and in our schools and on the uh, healthcare, uh, un uh, uninsured healthcare rolls and uh, all of the, the transformational impacts of having millions and millions of new people in the country. Todd, how do people get to the book? How do they get to all your current writings? And I know you're reporting this. You just got back from a no. So how do people follow all of Right. Go. I, I work for the Center for Immigration Studies, so CIS.org, uh, ToddBensman.com. I've got all my writings there. The book is overrun. It's available in bookstores and on Amazon and is the definitive uh, history of this particular border crisis now in its third year the greatest and worst mass migration crisis ever to hit the United States, and I believe the world. Todd, honored to have you on. Glad you got back safe. I look forward to having you back on. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Uh, he's got, uh, we're going to get him back on the next one, but he's got a lot more to go through about how the system's actually structured now to exacerbate this. How do you deal with this? You've got a branch of the government, you've got State Department, you got DHS, and they're actively, in, like in the Darien Gap, it's a super highway they're coming through. How can the American citizen just sit there and go, my government is lying to me. This is not about asylum. They're taking the asylum system and gaming the system. What's a normal American supposed to do when they look at the administrative state that's just saying, we don't care about the law, we don't care about the rule of law, we're just going to do yep. it? It's the utter contempt of this administration to to feel like they can lie uh, with a straight face to the American people on national television. Those things go around the world. Our enemies see it and our allies see it, too. Um, I think there's tremendous frustration on the part of the average American, Steve, because of the wide open border. I mean, so many things, the economy, cities in collapse, crime, et cetera. But they can see with their own eyes what is going on at the border and very difficult for the average citizen to try to, uh, you know, stop this human tsunami that's coming across the border. You know, when you're talking to Todd there, and I know you talk to him often um, on this show, 
this is all by design. I mean, the, the first thing that the American people need to understand so that we can turn this around um, starting January 2025 is that none of this is incompetence. Yes, Joe Biden is is out to lunch. He's got cognitive challenges, etc. But the policy is not incompetence. This is all by design everywhere you look. This is uh, the deliberate implosion of the United States all of our systems, right? This is Cloward and Piven. This is overwhelm the systems in order to collapse the systems so that they can rebuild those systems in their own collectivist or Marxist kind of image. The wide open border is part and parcel of that. It's about overwhelming our systems, but also flooding the zone with as many people as possible that they can get on a track to citizenship so that you never again get a Republican president, never mind a Republican Congress. Monica Crowley is going to be with us in studio. We're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to get back and talk about the geostrategic problems we have. And President Trump's contention that with the mullahs in uh, in uh, Persia, the CCP and the KGB, the administrative state still our biggest enemy. For war room veterans, you know, we have been all over this supply chain issue with China in medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in extreme short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical, that's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. Uh, make sure you go to birchgold.com slash Bannon. You get all the, um, the end of the dollar empire. It's a three-part series. The third part's out called The Debt Trap. Uh, you can understand everything about this huge negotiation we have right now on the future of the country about stopping spending and how it's going to, you know, how they want an unlimited and clean lift of the debt ceiling this is like riff from today's headlines. Go check it out. Also, you can understand Philip Patrick's going to be here Saturday, but you can understand why all the central banks in the world are buying more gold than ever in 2022 and starting off 2023 by the same way. So you get everything you need to know about precious metals by going to birchgold.com slash Bannon. Go do it today. Check it out today. Uh, Monica Crowley. So um, we have the uh, we have the KGB. We have the Ayatollahs and Mullahs in Persia. We have the House of Saud. We got the Iraq guys. They're doing all their transactions now, not in petrodollars, but in yuan. We got Lula 
in Brazil, a Marxist that's going to that goes to um, China and gets on the tarmac and says, you know, the, the United States uh, uh, economy's over. We got to get off the dollar. And you've got it all run by the CCP. And we're in the early stages of the Third World War. Yet President Trump says with all that, and I make the argument that's why he's the logical, you have to, Trump has to get back in because he's the only guy who can deal with this level of, of criminality and bad guys. That he's saying, hey, as bad as that is, the biggest enemy we have is the administrative state. And he says at the same time, when you see about this Biden crime family and you go to Treasury and you guys know because the Treasury can see all these transactions that go on. When you see uh, when you see what's happening, what's happening here in the Biden crime family with the administrative state as their cover on the laptop from hell and the 50 intelligence uh, officers and senior executives pulled together by Mike Morrell to write the cover letter as as air cover for Biden. That President Trump says, not only is the administrative state the worst enemy we have, and we have to confront it, but that the Biden uh, situation covered up by the administrative state is 10 times worse than Watergate. You know or knew President Nixon probably better than anybody else. Walk me through President Trump's contention and the connection to, to Watergate. Well, I think it, it's a really important distinction that President Trump made um, between the external enemies that you laid out, um, led by the CCP. You cut the head off the snake. The rest of the world will fall back into place. So CCP is number one, but we have so many other serious enemies as well. And the internal enemy that we face. So I think what President Trump was trying to say here is that, look, yes, we do have all of these external foreign uh, adversaries that are very serious, but we know how to deal with those, right? We, know, we have experience with dealing with existential threats, whether it's Nazi Germany, the Soviet Union, the CCP now. If we have the proper leadership that can summon the political will, we know how to deal with foreign adversaries. What we don't really know how to deal with here is an enemy within of the kind that you just laid out and continue to do every day, which is the administrative state and the deep state. We have never really confronted this kind of enemy within. We've had bad operators before working within the security state. We've had presidents that have indulged uh, the deep state and the administrative state. But it is so metastasized as a threat that we don't really know how to how to sort of turn our gun turrets on our fellow Americans. These are our fellow Americans, Steve. This is what makes this threat so difficult to handle. So what President Trump is doing is saying, look, um, we haven't really been focused on this because it's very hard for the American mind to process that our fellow Americans have weaponized government against us for ideological reasons, political reasons, their own enrichment and their own empowerment. I have faced this down. I have been target number one for these enemies within. I have looked at them square in the eye. I've been through the fire. I'm the only one who now understands it because I am their number one target. But make no mistake, I'm just one guy. And they can try to take me out. But their ultimate goal is to remove you as a political force in this country. 
It is very important that he articulates this so our fellow deplorables out there really absorb and understand what we're up against here. And yes, Donald Trump is indispensable to this fight, Steve, as you are, as the entire war room posse is. But Donald Trump is just one guy. And we saw in the four years, four years, not nearly long enough to take this on. But they have to remove him because they know that his goal is to remove them. And so they've got to try to preempt him coming back. He is an existential threat to the entire corrupt ruling class, both here and abroad, and their absolute grip on power. And therefore, he must be destroyed before he can summon all of us, marshal all of us, and destroy them. Let's talk about what a second term in a second, but I want to go back to Nixon. Um, and, and one of the connective tissues of the through line here is that the our elites and even the Uniparty then started to hate hated Nixon early on. Yes. I mean, you mentioned Daniel Patrick Monahan. He brought Daniel Patrick Monahan to be head, I think, of the Domestic Policy yep. Council. And the, one of the trade-offs he was going to make, because Nixon was not a right-wing conservative when it came to domestic policy. Right. People might say he was quite enlightened as far as the elite. In fact, with Daniel Patrick Monahan, we're going to do a lot of things on the domestic side so I can be, have more free reign on the international side. But they always hated Nixon. And the reason they hated Nixon, you've got to go back to the beginning of the story. They hated Nixon, the administration state did at the time, because he was a firebrand anti-communist. Yes. And particularly a firebrand anti-communist, not, he didn't make his bones on anti-communism overseas. He made his bones with anti-communism inside, not just the United States, but inside the United States government at the highest levels. Alger Hiss, they never forgave him because Alger Hiss was the poster child for the Atlanticist elite establishment. And the communist infiltration. And the communist infiltration. Yes. And he, it was Nixon who, and it's not just getting even a Whitaker chamber or something like that. It's not getting some uh, Grundoon, uh, you know, working class or middle class. You, you, he went and got the thing itself, which is the, the country being sold down the river and, 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 and traded out by the elite in this country. And that's why they hated Nixon and never forgave him. That's why they hate Trump and will never forgive him. That's the connective tissue. And I make the argument, and I think there's some tremendous books that are coming out today. In fact, a guy at one of the, I think it's the Dispatch, Plinkowski, I think his name is, uh, I think he just joined Claremont, I think. He's written this thing about how the administrative state took out Nixon and cited five recent books Two of the books by Jeff Shepard, yes. which it's and, and they're amazing. You see Watergate in a totally different light than uh, than the Wood, story that we've been sold. Than Wood, Wood, Wood and scenes. Yes, everything yeah. from Deep Throat being Mark Feld to the what uh, Sirica did. The whole situation is there a is there a direct connection between Nixon standing up to the elite with the Alger Hiss being the hardcore anti-communist of which Jack Kennedy was one of his buddies, yes. and by the way, very close at the time, and that Bobby Kennedy and Roy Cohn were on McCarthy's staff and were very tight, and Bobby Kennedy was a serious communist, you know, to get him out of the government. Yeah. All these guys were. Is that the connective tissue? The administrative state hates people that go after these Marxists and go after these communists. Yes, and it's so important that everybody understands the history here, and I, I said it early on, that the this began as a KGB operation to infiltrate the United States, 
grab control over our major institutions and our culture and destroy us from within. And over time, you know, they did plant a lot of operatives in this country. But over time, there were so many useful idiots here in the country that Soviets didn't need or the CCP today doesn't actually need real spies or operatives because we're doing it to ourselves. But that history is really important. And Nixon himself traced it back to Alger Hiss, exposing Hiss as a communist spy. And that's Tell when us the who entire— for our audience, tell us who Alger Hiss was and why, they, Hiss, why is he such an some, uh, important figure in American history? Alger Hiss was the consummate establishment figure. Ivy League degrees, I believe, out of Yale, perfectly well-dressed. I mean, when you envision almost a caricature of the establishment figure, that's Alger Hiss with the fedora very close to Franklin Roosevelt. In fact, in one of the famous pictures— of uh, the negotiation of the end of World War II, Alger Hiss is right behind Franklin Roosevelt as he is sitting with Winston Churchill and Joseph Stalin. Where? At Yalta. At Where Yalta. Where in Crimea. Where in the battleground exactly. they're fighting at over Ukraine exactly. right now. And Yalta, so, by the way, that sold us, you know, everything in World War II. We didn't go to Berlin. We didn't go to uh, Vienna. We pulled up Patton and Montgomery, pulled up short after that. Alger Hiss is right there. Yes. And so that is the backdrop, the ideological backdrop to all of this. So when we talk about the deep state and the administrative state, you have to understand that they are operatives of this globalist Marxist revolution that's been going on for over 100 years. Nixon was a staunch anti-communist throughout his entire career. Jack Kennedy was a staunch anti-communist. People forget in the 1960 presidential race, Steve, the two of them were trying to out-hawk each other on the Soviet Union. Jack Kennedy was talking about how Eisenhower and Nixon allowed a missile gap with the Soviet Union. And then Nixon was weak and Eisenhower weak about the islands off of China with the CCP. They were saying, these guys are are not that tough. I'm going to be tougher. Exactly. So Kennedy comes first. Of course, old man Kennedy stole that election from Richard Nixon. But Kennedy comes in first. They get rid of him. Why? Peace is not profitable. War for the military industrial complex, the Marxist. So you believe Tucker Carlson and Bobby Kennedy, when they talk about Robert F. Kennedy Jr., when they talk about CIA and FBI involvement, we know FBI covered up, you know, everything about on the Warren Commission. But you believe that the administrative state may have been involved in the Kennedy assassination? I don't have all the evidence, obviously, but my instincts tell me that JFK did not want to get involved with Vietnam, etc. He was very reticent about all of that. I, I believe, look, knowing now what we know about what the deep state is capable of, certainly. And then certainly with Richard Nixon and what most people don't understand about Watergate or don't know is that four out of the seven burglars who were arrested on site entering the Democratic National Committee headquarters at the Watergate worked or collaborated with the CIA. A fifth operative who was arrested held a senior position in the CIA's internal police division, the Office of Security, and their handlers, like E. Howard Hunt and G. Gordon Liddy, were FBI. So if you want to talk about how the deep state concocted this in order to set up and frame Richard Nixon to leverage him out of office— we're talking about the security state and law enforcement. With with the role he had going in uh, in the summer of uh, of 1972, and uh, what he had the massive landslide he was about to have. There's nothing in Larry O'Brien's office that could ever be there in the DNC that Richard Nixon would need to see. The whole and I even concept of it 
is ludicrous, right? Because it happened. He was it, leading it, by like 20 points. It was a landslide victory. He won 49 states. And what, about 18 months later, he's gone? That doesn't just happen. And to our earlier discussion in this hour, Steve, about, you know, President Trump getting bad information from Fauci to try to deal with the COVID pandemic, Richard Nixon was getting bad information from bad characters like the, the people who had organized this break-in. Nixon knew nothing about the break-in. Also, little slime balls like John Dean feeding him bad information. Al Haig in the background, who also had a security st uh, state background. Nixon was getting bad input. So, of course, the decisions he was going to make about Watergate were going to be bad. Perfect. Okay, short commercial break. We're going to return. We're going to play some clips from CNBC that basically are implying that Monica Crowley is a MAGA extremist <laughs> and what she sees in the budget. All that. We get a short commercial break. Back with Monica in a moment. In my younger days, I was a naval officer on a destroyer. In fact, I was the A-gang officer in charge of all the engineering systems that were not main propulsion. And one of those was air purification. And I can tell you, the standards of the United States Navy are second to none. If all home air purifiers are the same, why did the U.S. Department of Defense select EnviroCleanse to protect and purify the air on board our Navy ships. Because of Viroclans, advanced mineral technology goes beyond ordinary HEPA filters to destroy airborne illness causing cold and flu viruses, including COVID. And Viroclans is the new science in air purification. And now you can order one for your home. This is how you help stop colds and flus from taking your whole family down. This is how you destroy allergy and flaming toxins and mold from the air your family breathes. In fact, this hospital-grade technology is so powerful that it promises far fewer colds and allergies and better sleep. Visit ekpure.com. That's ekpure.com. And use the code Steve for 10% off your EnviroCleanse home purification unit. You also receive a free air quality monitor, plus fast, free shipping. That's $150 savings right there. That's ekpure.com, code Steve. ekpure.com, code Steve. Getter has arrived. The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas, the platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want the way you want. Download now. This new one looks pretty good. Really? Did you know Ron DeSantis backed deep cuts to Social Security and Medicare? Ron DeSantis? Yeah, he voted to cut Social Security or Medicare not once, not twice, but three times. DeSantis even tried to raise the retirement age to 70. I thought DeSantis was one of the good ones, but he's just another career politician. America needs Trump. Make America Great Again, Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. What was uh, getting back just to the death thing, what was a little bit disconcerting is, I don't know whether it's gaslighting or, or what I call it, but I'm, I'm hearing that you now in this bill, I heard Senator Van Hollen say you're trying to cut and defund law enforcement. 
And you're also cutting all of the border security funds. So I just don't even know how you respond when we're that far apart on both sides. And both sides are so willing to demagogue and, and you know, ultra mega. That's all like wacko. These are wacko ideas. That if someone should actually have to actually try to get a job to, to you know, to, to receive some things at home. So I, I don't know how you ever come together, Speaker. And I don't know how you... You know, well, the first, the first thing me I, at CNBC because we're talking about the full faith and credit of the U.S. government here. The, the thing that you should look at is anytime someone says about the bill, just simply ask one question. Show me where it's written in the bill. Show me where in the bill that it says we cut anything. In the process, we simply go back to the spending levels we were at four months ago. Well, four months ago, did a, a number of new border people be hired or cops get hired in that process? The only people who've defunded the police have been the Democrats, openly and willingly. And we've watched what happens in crime in our community. Right. If you watch and compare what has passed in the House and what has passed in the Senate, there's a big, big comparison there. We right, are simply speaker. doing the work that we said to the American public we would do. Okay. Um, now, because of, and I don't think the cuts go nearly far enough, but even the cuts, which is really just cutting the growth rate of spending, right? It's not, there's no cuts. You can see, and Joe Kernan is the one conservative, they're going to be coming that we're all a MAGA extremist. This is all extremism. Uh, what say you, ma'am? Well, that's the messaging coming from the left, for sure, that this is a very cruel kind of budget because there are, cut there actually are no cuts in what McCarthy proposed. And look, this is a good opening this is, shot. This is a stop, this stop the rate of, spend, the rate of increase. And you know what? I heard you on the show a couple of days ago saying, look, McCarthy's job, he's hurting cats. He's got uh, a couple of people with difficult uh, districts, especially in New York, et cetera. He's got to do, you know, politics is the art of the possible. So he's got to put together what looks like a reasonable proposal that is still with an eye toward bringing down the national debt, controlling annual deficits, getting government and spending under control. And you said my job is to be unreasonable. I'm out here laying down the unreasonable marker and thank God for you. But the idea that, you know, and, and I understand why the Republicans did this, but they want to go back to the spending levels from last year, four months ago. Those spending levels are incredibly elevated because you still have so much COVID emergency spending going on absent the, abs um, the actual emergency and so on, Steve. So this idea that they just want to go back four months and go back to 2022, I understand why they're doing you, this, you, but this is not the way you, to get this country back on track. You were at Treasury and you'll have an even more senior position in the second Trump term. What is your take on this debt ceiling fight? How important is it? Walk us through your, your this thing. Is this is everything. This is everything. The debt ceiling fight is everything. The Republicans in Congress, because they control the House, have a steady hand to play here. And they better they better play it because they will not be forgiven by the deplorables, by the war room posse. They will not be forgiven if they don't stand up and fight. They've got to drive a stake in the ground now, draw a line on spending. And they also need to be telling the American people what the consequences will be if we continue down this this road. We are already barreling to 
afford an economic implosion of the likes we have not seen for about th- 2007 th- through 09. We're talking Great Depression. Do you think we could have a sovereign debt crisis in this country with our own sovereign debt? Uh, 100%. I mean, all of these things are on the table because we are so far past the tipping point. And there is not a lot of political will to rein in government and cut spending. And that's because, Steve, and, and I want everybody to understand this, government does not have a profit motive. What drives government is power and control. Okay, when you're running a private company, there is a profit motive. You want to make more money. You want to provide a good or a service that is going to give you a good return. Right. Government does not have that. There is no incentive to rein in spending because it's someone else's money, meaning yours and mine. And the Fed can just print more if you need more. Without the profit motive, there's no incentive for anybody in government to pull it back. It's all about power instead. And so it is up to us to put pressure on our elected representatives, Republican and Democrat alike, to start drawing a line. Because if we don't move fast, meaning now the ramifications are going to be so dangerous and absolutely catastrophic. Okay, your podcast, your writings, how do people get to you and make Monica Crowley part of their daily information diet? Ah, well, thank you, Steve. And you just did my podcast yesterday, so I recommend that show to everybody. It was a pure fire conversation with the one and only Steve Bannon. Uh, There it is. I do it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's called the Monica Crowley Podcast. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, all of of the evil empire. How about your writing? And uh, then up on Twitter, at Monica Crowley, True Social, at Monica Crowley, and Instagram, where I post a lot, at Monica Crowley underscore. You wrote a couple of great books on Nixon. What were they and how do people get to... Are they Nixon on Off the Record, which yeah. focused on the 1992 presidential election, which is very informative for today. That was George H.W. Bush running against Bill Clinton plus Ross Perot. It was a crazy time, but a lot of applicable lessons. And Nixon in Winter, which covers everything else, my time with him. His final reflections on Watergate, his faith, uh, the international arena. That book is bigger than the first one, and I think more important. And also the book 1999 with Nixon, Victory, wrote in 1999, um, Seminole yes, War. Yes, 1999, re- Victory re- Without War by Nixon. Okay, yeah. stick around. We're going to have Andy Biggs next in the war. We're going to break down this budget. Andy Biggs was a no, a hard no on this. We're going to get Congressman Biggs to walk us all through it, plus maybe a couple of three other surprises. Short break. Get an adult beverage or a cup of coffee, whatever it is. Uh, you know, maybe a uh, an iced tea, a sweet tea. Whatever part of the country, and we'll see you back here in just a minute in the war room. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger, better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. 
take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. 